podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un filet fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Welcome to the Fatback 4 Daily. Uh, it is Thursday, it is the 5th of September. Um, I am your host as always, Gav. Um, this show is brought to you by Paddy Power. Paddy Power is a bookies, it is a betting app. Um, if you gamble, gamble responsibly. If you don't, disregard everything I'm about to say. Um, if you like odds on Liverpool, on football in general, on all sports, Paddy Power is your man. Um, but as I said, gamble responsibly. And if you don't gamble, this bit isn't for you. That's absolutely fine. Um, what we're going to do tonight is, um, during the international break, I've decided to bring on clubs that look to break top four, clubs that look to break si- top six, and clubs that just interest me in general. Um, the club I'm going to look at tonight is Leicester, Leicester City. Um, one, because I think they can have a good go at top four, um, and if not top six. And they're probably the team, as I've said throughout the summer, that... I suppose, interests me the most, um, apart from Liverpool this season, simply because of the manager they have, the players they've brought in, and some they've let go. Um, and I just wanted to have a chat. So I've brought on um, Pete Selby. Pete Selby is from the uh, For Fuck's Sake uh, podcast. That is a brilliant name. It's the second night in a row I've had a, a, a guy on with a brilliant name for a podcast there. The Spurs one last night was really good too. But um, Pete, you're very welcome. I think Pete might have muted himself. Um, he will come back on now in a second. Uh, but look, uh, as if we have, um, if you have any comments that you'd like to bring in tonight, absolutely bring them in. Um, you know, comments around Leicester City, around Liverpool, anything you want to throw, Pete, I'll try getting back on the line now in a second. But um, if you have, if you have anything you'd like to bring in, like Kevin Sullivan there says, they're uh, they're his pick for at least top six. Um, but we'll we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Um, I'm just gonna try get Pete up now and see what's going on. Um, but as I said, if you have anything. Absolutely, go and do that. Pete, are you with me? I'm, I'm here now. I'm oh, okay. here. Sorry, no I was just reeling with the fact that Spurs might have a better podcast name than uh, for Fox's sake. <laughs> That's obviously not the case. No, the, the, they, they'll always, they'll always finish third in the two horse race. <laughs> yeah, well, look, look, you've come back well from that. Um, no, it, the one last night was called the Fighting Cock, which was I just thought was a good name as well. Um, but Pete, what, what I'm going to talk about tonight is, and the same I've done with Spurs last night, I want to talk about the, the summer you've had, the, the transfer window was, you know, the start of the season, your expectations for the season, um, both in the league and domestic cups. And as, as well as that, um, I wanted to touch on Brendan Rodgers because as a former Liverpool manager, um, he really, you know, he, he, a lot of Liverpool fans have an interest in Brendan Rodgers' career. When he left Liverpool, he, he ended up at Celtic. He's gone to Leicester now. So I'll start with Brendan Rodgers. Um, 
we were talking off air before we come on about the league winning side of 2015, 16. Um, and, you said to me there was always going to be a transition period. There was always going to be a fall guy. And Klopp well seemed to be that. Yes, he was. There's always going to be a period of time after something monumentous happens in any football club's life, let alone a, a club like Leicester winning the Premier League. And But there also needs to be a point where you go, what's the legacy? What happens from here? And the legacy of us winning the league is becoming a regular top 10, top 8, top 6 club in the Premier League, which was Vichai's aim when King Power bought Leicester. And to do that, they had to transition from the side that they were ultimately very and most successful that you can be in a Premier League season by winning the league, but transition that into a side that would always maintain a position higher up the league in terms of the way that they play and in terms of the style of football and in terms of the players that they sign being young, hungry players, and then you build from there and you sell accordingly and you buy then accordingly and keep on revolving the side around and and developing the side. And that's what's happened. And there was always going to be a manager that was the four guy. Puel might be that guy who transitioned the side from the counter-attacking basis that we won the league. It was very good football anyway, but we always had that sit back, soak up the pressure and counter that. No long ball. Not lump it forward, but counter-attacking football. And um, and I think that history will look back on the Claude Puel era quite successfully in a way of, of that. It won't be for him as a manager, but it will be in terms of the players signed. It will be in terms of changing the style. Um, but at the moment, things are flying. And in Brendan Rodgers, and I said to you off air and I'll say it now on air, I think Brendan Rodgers is possibly one of, if not the biggest signing that Leicester have made in terms of any player and any uh, manager in the history of the football club. He is the biggest signing because it tells the players who are already here, who are big stars, Schmeichel, Vardy, etc., that we're going places, but it also allows the club to sign players to a club that have ambitions of top four, top six because of the manager. That's not happened before. We've got to that position through hooker by crook or by signing young players or players that have been unproven and developing a side. But I still think to this day, the best signing that Leicester have ever made is Brendan Rodgers. Now, um, yeah, just just going on that team and, and around Rodgers and stuff like that, um, Kev O'Sullivan in, in the chat room has said that uh, he doesn't feel Leicester will miss Maguire as much as people think. I'm going to get on to that in a little while when we come to the transfer window. Um, Chris Brack says, before Klopp, Rodgers gave me the most exciting league campaign I've ever seen. What let Rodgers down was some naivety in working at a big club and struggled to stop slumps after 2013-14 when we went so close to the title. Um, just on that... Um, I, I said to you before we started that when Rodgers was at Celtic, he was looking to win 10 league titles in a row. This is the big thing that's going on at Celtic at the moment. I think they've eight at the minute. Um, they're looking for number nine this season and 10 will be a, a, a record in the Scottish division. But I always felt that if Rodgers was to, to come back to the Premier League, I didn't want to see him going to a Chelsea or a Spurs or an Arsenal. I don't think he would have got City or Liverpool or United. But I... And I said to you, I wasn't, you know, having a go at Leicester when I said this. I wanted to see him in that tier, just slightly below where he could manage with not as much media spotlight on him. Um, you know, not as much attention to him. Nearly go under the radar and doing what he's doing. Um, 
do you think that's worked out well with the fact that Leicester has been the club he's gone to because the way he likes to do things, the way he likes to develop players, and he can do it without the whole nation's media on him, like when he was at Liverpool, I suppose. I think I think they're two very good questions. We'll come on to the first one later, but um, I, I agree. You got to remember, Rogers when he came to Liverpool, he hadn't had the chance of winning the league. He hadn't had the chance of being in the top echelon of the Premier League at all, and it was all a new experience for maybe the players at Liverpool and for the manager as well. When he then left to Celtic, it was obviously a lot easier. He got the experience of what he took from Liverpool, and then he turned him into a winning machine. Some maybe argue. And it's obviously a lesser league there, but he, he's built up a wealth of experience over all of his jobs. And you get experience from winning and failing. I mean, failing to win the league as he did in that season at Liverpool. Some may say it was a great success. I still think it was a more of a, a big success, really, than a, an ultimate failure. And overall, he's now built that wealth, but also it, it comes with respect and, and I still I think that times have changed in football so much that from the day that he left Liverpool to now, I think the Premier League has changed. It's changed because of what's happened with Liverpool through Klopp and also Man City with Guardiola. And that's filtered down throughout the Premier League. And when it comes to players having respect of their manager, that could be through their playing days, but also what they've done as a manager, but also what they come in and, and bring to the club. And when they signed... Brendan Rodgers from Celtic, I think there was big discussions behind the scenes with senior players at Leicester, your Morgans, your Michaels, your Vardis, but also, and I mentioned that he was one of the biggest signings, the fact that they bought Brendan Rodgers from Celtic, they paid £8.5 million pounds yeah, to absolutely. sign a guy who was going to just win the ninth trophy in three years. He was going to do the triple-treble, and they stopped him doing from that by, by buying him. Mm. He then left them in the, on the point of history to come to Leicester, which speaks volumes for Leicester. But for me, Rogers coming to Leicester, it's a good signing for him because it was a club with, with vision. And also it gave, it gave Rogers the ability to go, you've got a club that A, has money, got a very, very settled backroom staff, and also behind the scenes, a training ground, £100 million training ground, opening at the beginning of next season. Fabulous ground. But you have the ability to work with the squad in the way that you feel. No interference from above. And that would not have happened at any other club, probably four or five places below Leicester, and especially four or five places above where Leicester were at the time. It was the most attractive job at the time, probably, in English football. And that's not going above Liverpool and Manchester City because the jobs weren't available. But in the size of the budget... And the ability he had to do what he wanted with the team and with the squad and also with input and signing players, it has to have been the most attractive job. For him to leave the treble treble was a big thing. Yeah, and you know something, you made a very good point and, and it strikes home when it comes to Liverpool about, you know, having control and, you know, having a really settled backroom team and he's being left to do his job. You know, at Liverpool there was talk of a director of football coming in with the manager in 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 the summer of 2012 um Rodgers didn't want that to happen um we had all this messing about and and you know no don't get me wrong every club has a transfer committee but Liverpool put a name on it and Liverpool were naming the people in the committee and they made a big thing over it they made they made a public when they shouldn't have and 
that made Brendan Rodgers extremely uncomfortable when it came down to things like signing Mario Balotelli and stuff like that. Um, I'm not too sure how it goes went at Celtic, but I know that Celtic can be quite tight with the poor strings. They'd get a lot of money in, and they don't seem to outlay that again. I know that from Celtic fans. Being in Ireland, there's a lot of Celtic fans around me that would tell me that. But at Leicester, I think you're right. He's come into the proper a proper setup for him that suits him absolutely. You know spot on it, it it just fits a bit like the way Klopp fits Liverpool you know um, it, 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 it feels like Klopp is made for Liverpool it was always going to be his destination I think with, with Rodgers I think it's just a really really good fit and I think you know you'll have good days you'll have bad days but I think you will see progression under Brendan Rodgers and given time I think he can be a really excellent coach in the Premier League long term you know not just the the, the one-off season he had with Liverpool I think he can be really good long term Um just moving on to the summer um, I've one question here for you about um, about Jamie Vardy one guy Barry Carr has said to me do they just wind Jamie Vardy up at the start of a game and let him go because Barry feels that he's one of the top number nines in the country. Um, raving here about his goal, his first goal at the weekend. Uh, it was a, the lob, wasn't it, against Bournemouth? Um, just, just quickly on Jamie Vardy before we went to the transfer window. 33 in January or February, you were telling me before we came on. Um, for me, he, he seems to be, uh, he always had that pace, he always had that eye for goal, but for me, he seems to be still progressing, even at 33, into a much more rounded, uh, footballer, much more quality in what he does. Would you agree with that? I would do. I mean, I'll start crying here, but like, <laughs> it's very, very rare nowadays that you get a player that you can honestly say in terms of fans polls, in terms of local radio polls, that the majority, vast majority in terms of fans who are in their 80s, 70s, 60s and modern day fans with social media all agree that the best player that's ever played for your football club is currently the number nine striker right now. That's what happens at Leicester. That's what Jamie Vardy is. Gary Lineker in the 30s and 40s, Arthur Chandler, Arthur Rowley, record breakers in terms of goal scoring in the top division of English football for many years. You go through the 90, Emil Heskey, players like some, some, some very big players who have scored many goals. Gary Lineker, many, many people will look at. But, the best player that's ever played for Leicester City is Jamie Vardy. His story is unbelievable. The, the goals he scored in the Premier League, everyone's seen his career. He's 33, as you said, in the new year. He's not played an awful lot of football. He played non-league football when he's 25 years old. So when you compare him with a 17-year-old, 18-year-old Wayne Rooney or Michael Owen and how they finish their career, Vardy's still going. He's sharp as attack. The game last week against Bournemouth was just simply outstanding. He, in my opinion, is the best striker outside of Liverpool and Manchester City. He is a two-time 20-goal-a-season striker, 18 goals another year in the Premier League. The guy's the figure of the club. He is the first line of defence. He is the main line of attack. He is exactly the player that fans of other clubs shouted for when he played for England. He scored that flick goal, first goal for England in Germany. The goals he scored in the in the Euros. And everyone then shouted for Vardy, like we do week in, week out. And they realised the player he is. He is an unbelievable footballer. He's grown up fantastically as a person in his private life. He's, he used to turn up and he used to drink a... Um, 
nice bit of port the night before, and then he used to have Skittles in the vodka along with about three Red Bulls before the game. This was as a Premier League footballer, by the way. Yeah. It took him a full year. When we signed him for a million pounds from non-league Fleetwood, it took him a full year for his body to get used to training at a higher level championship football club. That's how much of a, a step up in quality and in class that he's actually had to make before he could actually become the player he is. He's also sorted his personal life out. He was a bit of a scallywag as a lad, not quite as much as it's being blown out to all, all to be. Mm. Uh, nothing, nothing unbelievably serious. Um, that's Jamie Vardy. He is the genuine football hero. And again, he's the best player that's ever played for the football club. And he's our number nine. And without him, I don't want to think what would happen at Leicester. And we're just enjoying him for every second he's playing. And my dad is 72 years old. He's seen Leicester all his life. And he is his favourite player, bar none. He's my favourite player. And then anyone in between in the age group, he's their favourite player. And it's quite rare for a football club to have that. And it's also very nice to say that. You know what, for, for a guy that signed for a million pounds from Fleetwood Town, who were in the conference at the time, um, if you're going to replace Jamie Vardy in the next 18 months to two years, you're going to have to be, uh, and, and replace him uh, with a player that will have, will do what he has done for Leicester over whatever amount of years he's been at the club, you're talking probably 70 million pounds. Well, he's, he's, he's basically unplaceable in terms of what he is and what he can bring. I generally think he got a Bamiang outside of the top two clubs I mentioned. Vardy, you don't get a player scoring 20 goals season in, season out for clubs who finish 10th. That doesn't happen. He does. And apart from everything else that happens with Vardy, he scores the goals. So in terms of stats and in terms of work rate, he's just top of everything. And you can't buy that. So what happens when he goes, we'll wait and see. But while he's here, he's scoring the goals. He's Is he better than ever? I think so. Was he as fast as he was five years ago, six years ago at the weekend? Possibly faster. I think right now you're seeing Pete Jamie Vardy, which at 32 and three quarters is, is not bad at all. No, it absolutely isn't. And looking at him, um, I, I watched the game when you played away to Chelsea and should have won the game after a... After, I suppose, a bit of a lacklustre first half, I thought you were excellent in the second half, and Jamie Vardy was central to all that. Um, winning, winning headers against, you know, much bigger centre backs, running them left, running them right. Um, it's, 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 I just watch him and, like you say, all the sort of stuff around personal life and vodka and, you know, skittles and stuff like that. You know, that's media driven and, you know, that will happen, but, Listen, this guy isn't on the pitch. Unless he's an elite athlete, he's not on the pitch doing that. It's as simple as that, you know. Um, uh, somebody says they're bringing uh, Vardy into the into their uh, fantasy football team after listening to this pod. Um, <laughs> simply because of the reference you've given Jamie Vardy. But, <clears throat> excuse me, moving on to the, the, the summer, I suppose, and, and the transfer window. And the big thing for, for yourselves over the transfer window was... Oh, probably two of them getting Thielmans on a permanent deal. I don't know that whether you had a deal in place to sign him anyway, or you went and, and got it done in the summer. Um, and then the Harry Maguire thing went on and rumbled on, and you know you didn't want to pay the money and ended up paying more than they, they were forced quoted and stuff. But um, the players that have come in, um, has anybody really impressed? And have you missed Harry Maguire as much as you thought you would be? Because people on this podcast seem to think you won't. 
the the one signing I said that the biggest signing Leicester have ever made is by signing the manager. Uh, in terms of players, the biggest signing we've ever made is Yuri Tillemans. For a, a player to play as well as he did in the final six months, when on loan from Monaco, a Claude Puel signing his links to Monaco. Again, history will look favourably back on that. Uh, Yuri Tillemans, there was no deal in place. Uh, okay. We had to wait. We had to wait a few weeks. We paid the money cash up front. Um, he started quite slowly, to be fair. His second half against Bournemouth was exceptional, and he is a, an immense talent that none of us can quite believe is actually playing at Leicester. How the the so-called bigger clubs in the Premier League missed him, no idea. He was with, he was with Anderlecht, wasn't he? He was at Anderlecht. And he was linked North- with every top club in Europe at the time. That's correct. Football manager fans will know who he is. And uh, <laughs> yeah. he uh, was at Anderlecht. He's played a lot of football for a young age. He's got a young family. Um, he's a very, very level-headed uh, young man. He's played a lot of football, went to Monaco. Didn't quite work out, but he still played well. And he's big friends um, with people like Dennis Pratt, who's turned, for, uh, turned up at Leicester from mm-hmm. um, from Anderlecht as well. A summer signing. who's not yet got going, but he's a, he's a brand new signing. So that's fine. With Maguire, so so Tillemans would be fine. Maguire uh, was always going to go. We knew that. And he's been a great signing. And we've got the money we wanted. Not a problem. Um, all Leicester fans, thank you very much, Harry Maguire. Go and do your stuff at Manchester United. You were a fan of them when you were younger. Not a problem. Cheers. Bye. See you in two weeks on Saturday. A week, a week on Saturday. But... Um, We've got uh, a guy called Kaglar Soyuncu, who we signed two players at the uh, beginning of last season. £18 million, 22-year-old centre-half. And we signed Benkovic, who went straight on loan and was the best player in Scotland. So um, Rogers knows all about him. He's now back at Leicester. But Soyuncu was... He played a few times last year, slightly rash. But we realised there's a bit of a talent there. And he's taken a full year. Didn't speak a word when he got here. Now he's had a full year with only two or three... Um, appearances really for the first team under his belt. But sometimes these young lads from abroad will take a bit of time to get into the, the way of life and the style of the club and, and also the professionalism of a, of a top Premier League club. He's come into the side and, to be fair, has been absolutely outstanding. And from what – when you see him, um, he looks like the guy from Shrek. I can't remember the Prince guy. He's – and it doesn't look like him. He is the spitting image. And everyone look, on social media will have... Oh, you, it, you type his name in social media and it comes <laughs> out. I don't know his name. Lord Farquhar, okay. I think his name. And, um, but it's a spitting image, honestly. But the thing is with him, you look at him, you go, okay, he's not the tallest. I wouldn't say he's the broadest, but um, there was an interview post-season with Chilwell and he mentioned Soyuncu and goes, the guy's made of granite. You bounce off him. And... So far this season, and I have watched Leicester at home every second and away uh, for for two uh, for one of the games so far. I have not seen Kaglasiunchu. I'm not kidding. Make a mistake. He has been exceptional, absolutely exceptional. So have we missed Maguire? No, because this guy's come in and played extremely well. Will, in the long run, the fact that we've got Morgan on the bench, the club captain, ready to come on as he did at Sheffield United, and behind him, probably Benkovic, will that come into effect later on? We'll wait and see. You never want to sell your best player, but 
to get the money that we wanted and we ended up getting that man you knew they had to pay at the beginning of the summer and in the end they did very very late on I think it's just good business by Leicester Leicester will at the moment always pretty much sell one player and I'd imagine that may be Chilwell at the end of next season the end of this season but at the moment we're not missing Maguire because of not just the solid performance by Kaglasunchu but the standout performances by him. He's been arguably Leicester's best player in the first few games of the season. But not just by being solid, by being, to be honest, quite exceptional and scarily good. It's only early days, and I'm not getting over the top, because when the, a defender in the Premier League makes zero mistakes in a number of games, you do kind of take notes and look at the guy and go, what do we have here? What is this now 23-year-old all about? And at the moment, it's fairly scary of how good he's been. Well, do you know something? Um, your 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 comments are being mirrored here on, on the chat because um, Kev O'Sullivan says that he was very good for Romania at the under 21 euros. Um Barry Carr likens the situation to Kate at Liverpool where, you know, you need to learn a language, you need a year to settle. It could be absolutely the way it is with him. Um, North Red wants Leicester to finish above Harry Maguire and that's just the Liverpool team being thrown in there. And listen, I want Leicester and to we finish. And I, I want Leicester to finish above Harry Maguire as well. Um, Barry Carr reckons it could be Madison that goes next. You know, you mentioned Chilwell there, but he, he reckons yeah. Madison, he, he's getting Ray reviews. I think he's in the England squad now. Um, a really talented player. The only thing I would say is sometimes his finishing lacks, but other than that, really good technical player. He, he's he's a very interesting player, and and by by all means, I'm not just blowing trumpet about Leicester. I'm not blowing smoke of everyone's player. I am a massive, massive critic of James Madison, a huge critic. I thought last season he was blown out of all proportion by the the wider media in general. Um, I thought he was missing in the majority of games. I thought he gave the ball away plenty of times. He went missing in games for not even 10 minutes, vast periods. This season, he has stepped up like Chilwell did. In fact, the season at Chilwell, um, two seasons ago, he all of a sudden turned up about two stone heavier and about five yards faster. And he's now England's first choice left back by no... Um, by no accident. No, this is no what's happening there. I don't think. No, no, uh, no argument at all. He plays better for England than he does for Leicester, to be honest. But with Madison so far this season, it clicked at half time in the Chelsea game. He started fairly slowly. Since then, the game against half, second half against Chelsea, and last game against Bournemouth, he was exceptional. He was all over the place. He was a fully yard sharper. He wanted the ball all the time, and he never gave the ball away. All the flicks and tricks and through balls, step overs for Vardy, they all, if they didn't come off, it doesn't matter because that's what you want by your number 10. Yeah. But when the ball gets played to his feet, he kept it, span his man and kept the ball. And at the moment, I've been massively impressed with him this season. And again, I am absolutely huge critic of this guy because I thought everything was blown out of all proportion last year. He created the most chances in the Premier League last season. I'm sorry, that's a very, very loose stat for me. But he has been really, really good for about 180 minutes. Let's see how he continues. Let's see how he plays. But at the moment, he's playing very well. But for me, I just hold fire. He's, he's going to play for Leicester. And you mentioned fancy. Yeah, Soyan Jews an absolute nailed on fact. And so would Vardy. And Madison again. But for me, 
I just want to see it more often. And I'm a critic because he's got all the talent in the world, but I, I just want him to see it, do it more often, uh, more often in games, not, not go missing. And at the moment he's doing that. But for me, he just needs to do it more often. Um, because he's at the moment a little bit blown out of all proportion, which might seem harsh, but I, I, I see him week in, week out. And that's, that's what I reckon. Yeah, a couple of, uh, Barry Carr says here, maybe, um, Danny Rose challenges Chilwell for left back. When, when, when Rose plays regular, he reckons he will be in the England team. I would have Chilwell. I'm being honest, I'm, I'm, I like Chilwell. I like the, I like the way he gets up and down the pitch. Um, he's, he reminds me a bit of Robertson at Liverpool. He's, you know, he's, he's good defensively. He's, he's a good outlet going, going forward. And he always seems to have energy, whether it's minute one or minute 90. That's just my take on Chilwell from watching. He- I, I agree. He, he's got he's got zero end product. That's his problem. He's got no okay. end product at all. He, he's very good defensively. He's learnt on his end product. Uh, he's learnt on his defensive um, capability and also his positional awareness has improved massively. No uh, mistake in the fact that Fuchs has stayed at the club and I think that's helped him no yeah. end. But yeah. um, final third, he's nowhere near. Uh, Robertson. Okay. Then listen, um, you could have told me he was brilliant going forward and I would have believed you. Um, cause as I said, I've, I've seen him probably watched them properly about half a dozen times. Um, and probably since Liverpool, I linked from about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And I've kind of kept an eye on him unless they're a player, but I'm, I'm quite impressed by Chilwell. Um, expectations for the season, P. Um, you know, you have the league there and, and, the, and I think this is the most open league. We're, Bar the top two, because I think they're the top two are levels ahead of everyone else, in my opinion. But toward toward to sixth, I think is very open. Um, and then you have League Cup and FA Cup. Um, people that are watching this, you're more than welcome to throw in your predictions as to le- how Leicester will do. Um, throw them at me, and I'll, I'll let Pete know what you're saying. But Pete, I'm going to ask about Leicester's expectations, and then I'm going to ask you about how you feel about Liverpool and what you think of Liverpool, because it's good to hear opposition fans' view on Liverpool. So, but first, League FA Cup, League Cup. What would you like to see Leicester do? Prioritise uh, one, or or just take it as it comes. First of all, we've got to the quarterfinals of the League Cup, FA Cup for the last two or three years, lost on penalties twice to Man City, Chelsea, etc. The Cups have been prioritised by the new chairman top and there's no surprise in the big, in the team that we selected against Newcastle. So we're going for the Cups. Great. There's a legacy of the league winning season if we win a a League Cup and we've yet to win the FA Cup in our history. Crazy. All the finals in the 60s and 70s, um, amazing that we never won the FA Cup. That's a big priority. Leicester aimed for the top six, and that's not just a top end. That was a genuine aim. So if we did not finish in the top six this season, at the start of the season, that would have been a very, it would have been a big sore point in what Leicester set out to do. That's what Rodgers is here. When looking at the start of the season, there is no way, absolutely no way, that Leicester cannot finish in the top six. We've got the 20-goal striker, that I think Chelsea don't have, that Manchester United don't have. I think our bat line is better. I think our midfield, certainly when you look at Manchester United, is certainly better. There's no way that we can't go to Old Trafford next week and win, uh, let alone get a point. I think Leicester are huge, huge players in finishing in the top six. Any higher, we'll wait and see. We want to win a cup. I want Leicester to win a cup. Would I sacrifice top six, top ten, Top 15 to win a cup? Yes, of course I would. 
every day of the week. We won two League Cups in the late 90s under O'Neill. It's fantastic. But I think Leicester will finish in the top six. I can't see any reason why they can't. And also, we have the financial firepower, if we're in the position to do so, to spend big in January. We've got a very, very good squad. We've got places in our first-team squad. We've literally got two empty spaces in our Premier League squad that was announced the other day that are not filled. So we can actually fill them with signings. We've not spent any money because of the sale of Maguire, so we have the money to spend. If we're in that position, they can go for it. In January, I expect us to be in the top six in both Cups, obviously the FA Cup still because we haven't played the third round. And let's finish in the top six and win a trophy. Why not? There's no reason we can't and there's no reason why we shouldn't. We've got the squad, we've got the firepower, we've got the manager and go for it. We've got Jamie Vardy. (laughs) You absolutely have Jamie Vardy. Um, Quick question for you. If I offered you a top four finish or an FA Cup, which one would you take? That's the most ridiculous question I've ever read in my life. No offence. <laughs> uh, it'll be the FA Cup uh, a million times out of a million. Uh, you win a trophy. That's the sort of thing that you remember for decades to come. That's the thing you tell your kids, your grandkids. We won the FA Cup. The first side to ever win the FA Cup at Leicester. We've never won it before. Uh, we've been in the Champions League. We had an amazing run to the quarterfinals, uh, losing to Atletico but by a dodgy penalty away. It was outside the area. Terrible decision. But, that's again, that's folklore. That's the sort of thing that would be... Uh, talked about for years and years to come. So we'll take wherever in the league, as long as we're still in the Premier League, and an FA Cup win. And uh, and, and also, just to finish off, uh, regarding Liverpool, I've always been a big fan of Liverpool. You are, if you're a, uh, a, a decent football fan from a club not associated with a rival, in terms of all the stuff in the 80s, 90s, and Europe, and etc. And, um, and I think Liverpool have got a tremendous chance of winning the league. Why not? Uh, got a great manager, a fantastic side to watch. And I, I think Chilwell, which you mentioned earlier, um, he was mentioned with Liverpool a, quite a while ago, actually, a, a good number of years ago, to be fair. And um, I don't see any reason why he can't go to a club like Liverpool, maybe at the end of this season, um, for whatever reason in terms of the position of players already there. And I think Liverpool have got not only a great chance of winning the Premier League, I think they would not probably need to go the first 10 or 12 games unbeaten. Um but again, I know you've been to the final one year and won it the next, but I can't see any reason why you can't win the Champions League again. I'm always a big backer of Premier League sides or English sides in Europe. Maybe less so the Chelsea's. I, you know, um, <laughs> That's understandable. Yeah, it's just what it is. With you know, we don't really like Chelsea, and there's you know, it's it's not the easiest team to like for a neutral. But um, maybe less so now with with Frank and that in charge. But um, I don't see any reason why Liverpool can't win the league. I do think you don't need to go the first ten unbeaten to beat uh, to beat Manchester but uh, but there we go we'll see what happens and uh, there are always good games between Leicester and Liverpool and uh, I expect a, a few five goal thrillers uh, probably more more than likely at the King Power once again but uh, we'll go from there Absolutely um, <clears throat> You're like me I'd take a trophy over any position in the league being honest with you um, you know people have asked me about League Cups and FA Cups and I suppose as a Liverpool fan the League Cup and FA Cup can Go down in the in the list of priorities when you have a league to go for in a Champions League, and, and people have asked me, "What would you take?" I, I just want the league. Um, I just want the league, and I want the ASAP. That's just the way I am. And you know, if it, if it was the other way around and it was the Champions League, or 
you know, or we've never won an FA Cup, I would definitely take the FA Cup over any any position in the league as well. Um, oh yeah, it's, it's I mean, and, and also and also for, in terms of Europe, the Champions League's fantastic. But um, if we have to go to out to Lithuania next year because we've won the FA Cup, that's fine. That's fine. I've got my passport on the side. I'm ready. Yeah. We we enjoyed our our Champions League tour. Uh, the previous year, mm-hmm. and we'll just try and win the Europa League and qualify for the Champions League that way. When you're a club like Leicester and your supporter, to be honest, when we win a game, and I still get this way, and lots of Leicester fans do, and this might sound like the craziest thing that anyone's ever heard in their life, but when we win a game like we did at the weekend against Bournemouth, I still get that internal kind of, yes, we've not kind of disgraced ourselves on the top level on match of the day, we, we, we've not. We, we've actually won a game in the Premier League. That might sound crazy, but there's still that part of me that watched Leicester at Filbert Street in the late '80s, early '90s, and for being a, a fully fledged, well, well, probably alongside one or two other clubs in the Premier League, the most well-run club in England, and having such a great team and. And, and, and fan base and also experience of football the way they do things at the King Power is exceptional and, and, and a lot of support in the job that I do down at the King Power uh, commentating you get a lot of uh, fans of other clubs turn up and go wow you don't have to do it well it, it's it's a pleasure to be a, a supporter of and it always was and always is my local side a one club county in Leicester but to be a supporter of the club that is now they are just a, a tremendous side to back and a very easy side to like from what I hear from supporters like yourself of other clubs. Yeah, look, look uh, as I said, as I said at the outset of this, this show, the, the, the team, apart from Liverpool, obviously, they're the team I'm most interested in this season. Um, you know, I, I think it is down to Rodgers. I think it's the players he brought in. Um, losing Harry Maguire, but as you said, you feel like you may have filled that position. Um, of course, the tragic events of the owners, you know, that was unbelievable, you know. Um, coming back from that, it was great to see a, a, a club stick together so tightly after that disaster, you know, and, and just seeing that they're like a breath of fresh air, even though they're in the Premier League a couple of years, if that makes sense. You know, the way they play football, um they like to attack. They like to play fast football. It's it's just I just find them extremely interesting, and and um, I will watch watch them as much as I can between now and the end of the season. I have them tipped to be in the top six without a shadow of a doubt. That's just I, my I suppose, opinion. I suppose one of the, one of the final things really for me to say is about the owners. What what happened was everyone knows what happened, Absolutely, and yeah. um and tops now taken over as full time chairman, and he's the same age as me, and for me to think about running the football club is probably the scariest thing ever. Um, they've brought in a director of football from Celtic, who obviously closely worked with uh, Rogers. There's been a very settled team of coaches um, and backroom staff behind the scenes that have been there for not one or two years. You're talking back to the Pearson era from a long time ago. The same uh, coaches, Mike Stahl's been there through all of different managers and scenarios in winning the league and staying up, etc. Um, there's been a very settled team that uh, of, that Rogers has basically gone towards and gone fantastic. There's no reason why we need to change this. We're going to bring in uh, Torre and, and, and three or four other coaches, but alongside, no one's lost their job. Uh, there's a massive link between themselves and Demotford University and the University of Leicester in terms of sports science and also Loughborough University, just a stone's throw from where I'm sitting right now. 
one of the uh, biggest sports universities, if not the, in the country. And there's a huge link between the football club and that. And also other sports as well, the Tigers and also the ECB, the England uh, and Wales Cricket Board, is just down the road. And they do use a lot of sports science from other sports as well. And But the way that the club has been ran by King Power since they bought the club has been nothing but exceptional. It's been a, a blueprint in these days of what happened with other clubs. We are and have been unbelievably lucky with the owners that we've had for the last nine or so years. And uh, and we were lucky. We were lucky to get it. Could have gone. They could have gone anywhere. But they top my age saw Leicester win against Middlesbrough in 1997 in the League Cup replay um, at Hillsborough. And he saw Steve Clary score the goal. And that's what brought into Leicester City. And he always had them in mind all the way through until growing up and then when they had the ability to buy a club that's why they bought the club um, when it comes around to Vichai's the anniversary of what happened Leicester and also the players that were at the club at the time the way people like Maguire etc um, the way that they handled themselves was just no one could prepare anything for that and everyone was exemplary and there will be a lot of former players and, and, and no one's really left Leicester with any, any bitterness over the last few years and there'll be a lot of sentiment and I mentioned about fans not wishing ill on people like Maguire moving away it's, it's not really been it happens at Leicester when you join a, a much bigger club but uh, that will be a hurdle to get over um, but I can't see any reason why it would derail him in terms of the on the field side um, and, and we'll see what happens. We'll go from here. But again, I'll, I'll just reiterate the fact that it is still, for a, a person my age, it's just such a privilege to have a, a very well-run club. And it also brings it home when things happen to other clubs like Bolton, like Bury. I know they're further down in the Football League. But a, a club the size of us, that's many clubs are of a similar size to Leicester. And it's just that we're incredibly well-run and we've got an extremely likeable and, and well-managed and a team with such figureheads like Schmeichel, Morgan and, of course, Jamie Vardy up top. We'll see what happens in the next few years. But why not win the FA Cup, win it for Vichai? And uh, and there we go. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. Um, well, look, uh, you've, you've, you've talked the words out of my mouth when you said the likes of Berry and Bolton and, and things like that. But, you know, to see Leicester come up, stay up by the skin of their teeth, go and win a league title, and be so well run, come through the, the, the death of their owner in such tragic circumstances. Um, I think Leicester City have been a credit to themselves and a credit to the league. And look, I wish you all the success in the future, um, simply based on, on, on them t- few things alone. Um, Pete, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I'd like to thank you for joining me this evening and, and I look forward to speaking to you again. No problem. Uh, all the best for the season, and uh, fingers crossed we're in, we're at Wembley in May in terms of the FA Cup, and uh, and you're uh, at Wembley in August uh, in the Charity Shield as league winners. Listen, I'll settle for that, Peter, and I'll settle for that, Pete. And um, if that happens, I will most definitely buy you a point. Um, Thanks a million to everyone for watching tonight. It's been a fantastic chat, in my opinion. Um, P has been an absolute diamond in what he's done tonight and given us a great insight into Leicester City on and off the pitch. Um, we will be back tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Uh, Barry Carr will be, um, Barry Carr, a viewer to this show, will be my guest tomorrow. Um, we're going to have a quiz where he's going to ask me 10 questions and I'm going to ask him 10 and the winner will 
it would be glorious for the winner and heartbreak for the loser. Proper, proper heartbreak. But that's been the Fatback 4 Daily um, for Thursday the 5th of September. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Over now. At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Sports Social Podcast Network.